Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode. I am your host, Amanda Farmer, and I am so pleased to be here with you this week. We had a huge week last week over at the Bylaw Bootcamp. It was wonderful to see so many of you tuning in for Bootcamp. We also opened up the membership doors, and I have been super busy welcoming lots of new members into our community. This week, I am bringing you the edited version of a recent chat that I had with Veronica Morgan over on her podcast. It's called The Elephant in the Room. If you haven't checked it out yet, it is definitely worth adding to your property podcast list. Veronica is a real estate agent, buyer's agent, and the co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia. She is also a previous guest here on this podcast Check out episodes 55 and 115 for my previous chats with Veronica. Veronica co-hosts the Elephant in the Room property podcast with Chris Bates. Chris is a financial planner, a mortgage broker, and a wealth coach. Their podcast asks the question, what is really going on in the world of real estate? They are fascinated by consumer behavior when it comes to buying property, and they have set out to uncover who's really making the decisions when you buy a property. Is it you or is it that elephant that's steering you, which you may not be aware of? Veronica and Chris have very kindly allowed me to bring this shortened version of our recent chat over here to our podcast Veronica and I kick things off by talking about the recent Pets in Strata drama that we have had here in New South Wales. We did talk about the Cooper case. We have been talking about that issue quite a bit here on the Your Strata Property podcast. So I am bringing you the second half of our chat where Veronica and I started talking about the shock that some people get when they first buy into Strata. It may not be all that we expect. We talk about the process of carrying out renovation works in a building, the difficulty with inspecting Strata books and records and being able to access what it is we are entitled to access and so much more. If you want to catch the full episode, you can find that over on theelephantintheroom.com.au. I will put a direct link to the full episode in the show notes here. And do go ahead and check out all that Veronica and Chris have to offer there on their property podcast. It's helping us all make better property decisions. I'll take you straight over now to my edited chat with Veronica Morgan. <laughs> I laugh because I guess what we are skirting around the edges of here is, you know, the old, the law is an ass, you know, this, mm. this, that idea that you've got this system where you have a law passed, so a new legislation passed at the end of 2016, mm. and then you have to have human beings basically um, enter into conflict with each other in order to actually test that law to make sure there's no holes in that law so that then uh, there's clear uh, judgments or clear rules that, that people know to mm. abide to. Um, and so now we've had it, however, uh, what, four years later, but even then yep. there's 
still more. It's like it, obviously it's a you know you got into a good le- a good area of business there, <laughs> Amanda. Where there's going to be no shortage of advice required, I would think. Yeah, look, um, it, it's always busy and in many different respects. And there is now the time we're recording this. There is some draft legislation before New South Wales Parliament um, proposing to amend our 2015 Strata Schemes Management Act to include a provision that bylaws cannot purport to unreasonably restrict the keeping of animals. And that's something that has been uh, an amendment that's been put forward by the Animal Justice Party uh, off the back of Joe's case. And I know there's a a lot of people supporting that kind of amendment. Others are saying that it's um, too little, too soon. We need a wholesale review of the Strata Schemes Management Act, not just this small amendment about pets. Um, But even the Court of Appeal has said that much of the language in these sections of the legislation we're talking about is awkward um, for a court to make that criticism. They're really sending a message that we need to do some work here. There's a lot of time, a lot of money being spent by owners um, in conflict about these issues. And when that happens, it tells us there's something not right about the legislation. Well, yeah. Look, when did you start the podcast? The podcast started in 2016. Right. So, and that's your strata property. For anyone who hasn't listened to it, I highly recommend you do, particularly if you um, own or live in strata or considering owning in strata. Um, and I actually will put the, the link in the show notes to your interview with Jo Cooper herself and her lawyer. Um, but I remember listening to your podcast in the early days. That's why I thought I just want to double check that it was back then because. Mm. What struck me is the amount of times you referred to interpretation, my interpretation mm. as yet untested, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth there, but and I, at the time listening to that thinking, oh, my God, what a nightmare. This is meant to clarify things and yet yes. clearly hasn't, um, which is, you know, from uh, this is a property podcast. We talk about the elephant in the room, things that people don't talk about. But one of the things about strata is that I just – my understanding is talking to a lot of people, there's a massive misunderstanding about how to live in strata mm. and what it means. And and it is really the fourth layer of government, right? Yes. So, so therefore, understanding what you can and can't do is pretty critical to making sure that you actually enjoy your life in a strata building. Yeah. And a lot of people go in feeling like they do understand what they can and can't do and feel like they know they have to pay levies and they know they need permission before they renovate and they know that they can keep an animal or can't keep an animal and then suddenly there's these cases and then what does that mean for the bylaws and what I can and can't do? And this is the part that from a a lawyer's perspective um, I'm fascinated by and I love this area of the law um, for that reason that it is ever-challenging, ever-changing. We're dealing with people's lives, different ways of living, different um, community expectations, cultural expectations, and we see that filter through in the law. But I understand completely how frustrating that is for owners, for residents. I'm a resident in Strata myself. Um, Mm. So when we have cases like this that completely turn the law around and say where we could have bans, we can no longer have bans, and it starts to raise questions then about, well, can we ban short-term letting? Can my building tell me that I can't have hard floors because there's a lot of buildings that do that. Is that unconscionable or oppressive? Can we ban Mm. smoking? There's a lot of buildings who want to ban smoking. So it just, a decision like this just opens up all of that uncertainty. And yeah, it is an an unusual, very unusual part of the property law world for sure. 
Well, it is. And, and this is some of the things that, you know, I'm glad you raised them there because these are some of the things I want to talk about that you have to have controls in place because you are all living together communally. Mm-hmm. You know, they might, you might have your own space, but for instance, smoking is a good one. You smoke on your balcony because you don't want to pollute your own apartment. And yet then you end up polluting the people mm. around you or impacting on the people around you. If you have a pet that barks when you're not there, you don't even know it barks. Mm. Um, your neighbours start going stir crazy. Um, you know, you, you talk about a lot of these uh, issues, you know, uh, my girlfriend's <laughs> been waging war with her. Um, she's on the Strata Committee and, you know, it's been the, the parking and the residents parking, visitors, car spaces, mm. all those typical things that people complain about and they probably think, oh, you know, dragon on the, on the Strata Committee. But the reality is there are rules for a reason they are to facilitate a whole bunch of people living together in the same sort of area, right? Yeah. How do you, for those that are, you know, that want to preserve, um, I guess, the, the high standards, you know, because let's face it, some people are really crappy with their garbage or some people are really mm. crappy with their animals. Some people are really disrespectful of other people. How can you preserve that without being termed harsh, unconscionable, unreasonable? Yeah, I think you have to be constantly asking yourself the question, when we're talking about bylaws in particular, and we can go a bit broader, but bylaws in particular, what I say to my clients is, what job is this bylaw doing? Okay. It's really important as a committee, when we're thinking about drawing up bylaws or changing bylaws that we ask ourselves, what job is this bylaw doing? And does this bylaw have the job of improving life or for residents who are living here, all residents, doesn't have the job of increasing or maintaining the value of our investment. So we're talking about uh, bylaws that regulate what we can and can't do with our property when it comes to renovations. Is it a bylaw that is improving or preserving the way of life or the value of your investment for all owners? And I think if you can answer um, yes to that, then your bylaw is going to be on pretty safe ground. If you're asking the question, what is what job is this bylaw doing? And you're saying, well, it's making the job of the committee easier because it means we don't have to exercise our discretion and make a decision and it is it is catering to the lowest common denominator, then I think you are going to have a problem with your bylaw and that's where blanket bans have fallen down. Um, but speaking more generally, I have always said uh, the number one thing that I think dramatically improves apartment living is to have a very good strata committee. So these are the the volunteers, the small group of owners, they usually are, who deal with the day-to-day management of your building. Um, I see a lot of great buildings. I see a lot of very dysfunctional communities. And in the dysfunctional communities making bad decisions, whether that's about bylaws or anything else, um, they have a committee that is internally in conflict. There are factions within the committee. Some people want one thing for the building, some want others. Uh, The dysfunctional communities don't take the advice of their strata manager or even their strata lawyer sometimes. Uh, And the ones that function really well, they are intelligent people with life experience, um, committed to improving the community or the value of their investment if they don't live there themselves. Um, and they're just the hard workers, you know, the, the champions for the cause, whatever that may be in a building from time to time. And those are the communities that are really thriving. And if you're looking to buy in to a good community, have a look at how the Strata Committee is functioning. 
It's so true. And, and you and I have had conversations around this. I back in episode 25, you first joined us and we did talk about that. Um, and, you know, trying to find evidence of that is always a challenge because, of course, strata reports, which is what most people get before they buy into a strata building, there's no real um, standard uh, that applies to how those mm. things are put together or what they report on. And you've said many times, you know, go and talk to the, the neighbours, which yes. is pretty, it's a great idea. Um, and also read the email correspondence. And I have to say, even though I ask for it, you just mm. don't get it. Mm. You just don't get it. Um, it sort of slips in by accident if it ever gets into a report. But what's so interesting, I find, and you talk about the science of a dysfunctional uh, strata committee, mm. and I think they're really good things to pick up on. The factions, certainly the, um, you know, not taking advice. But then there's buildings where there's complete and utter disinterest yes. in the building. Yep. And I recently read a report, for instance, where, you know, they just got some the strata manager is pretty much left to run all the meetings. Um, she's pretty much, uh, you know, there is a committee, but they don't turn up most of the time. They don't do proxies. They don't, they, you know, they just, they just mm. leave her to run the place without much guidance. Yeah. I very much doubt they're paying her enough to do that properly because strata levy, the actual fees at these um, strata managers charge, they're not massive, are they? They are nowhere near high enough for the importance of that job, that's for sure. Yeah. Yep. So, and therefore the the strata committee needs to actually do work because the strata manager literally isn't paid enough. Mm. Yeah. But it does beg the question, doesn't it, as to how do you really work out how a building is well run or not? Yeah. And look, there's all different types of buildings, you know, all, all, all shapes and sizes. We can talk about uh, a four-storey uh, red brick walk-up where we have maybe mostly investor owners and we're near the university and um, people come and go. There's not too much going on. There's no lift. There's no gym or swimming pool. We just have some um, outdoor parking area and that's about it. That may be your um, old-fashioned style of strata management. You might have uh, someone who's fairly hands-off. You might have an AGM each year because you need to strike levies according to the law and you need to approve the financial statement. But otherwise, there's not too much going on. And then you have um, your brand-new building that might be 200-plus lots. You might have a commercial mixed with a residential. You then have a building management committee. You have shared facilities between the commercial and residential. You have building defects. You still have an original builder and developer to negotiate with. You have um, maintenance contracts. You have a building manager, a caretaker. Um, You're dealing with a new set of bylaws put in place by the developer where certain people have been given rights over the common property and others haven't. These can be incredibly complex schemes and you need a strata manager who is experienced in managing those kinds of schemes. So I think understanding what you're buying into um, and why, you know, am I going to live there or is it an investment? Am I buying in the four-story red brick walk-up because I just want to put a student in there close to the uni and take my returns? Um, You might not be too concerned about what the community is like and the strata manager, but a building at the other end of the scale, I think you need to be very concerned and understand what's going on, who the players are and uh, why they should be the most experienced. That's it and it's so complicated and um, and uh, I would also argue the uh, the red three or four-storey walk-up, red brick walk-up, 
you do need to be worried about community there too because that's actually sort of good for resale. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but certainly there are a lot of investors sort of they want the hands off, they want the, the low strata levies and that, that come with that. Recently there's been a requirement for buildings to consolidate their bylaws, right? Yes. So when our new legislation started, as you said, Veronica, that was in 2016, there was a requirement uh, to conduct a review of your bylaws within 12 months of the legislation starting. And immediately there was a requirement to keep a consolidated up-to-date copy of the bylaws on the records. Which, interestingly enough, I still come across buildings that haven't done that. Yes. Um, <laughs> you must be too. <laughs> And then some others where they've actually gone and got a, it's like they've bought a consolidated pack of bylaws off the, the shelf. Yeah, so- we, we do have <laughs> model bylaws in our legislation, which is often what developers will register strata plans with when they're constructed and they're, they're selling off the plan. Um, and we got a new set of model bylaws when our new legislation started. And I saw that too, a number of buildings just adopting the new model bylaws, not really thinking about whether they're suited to their community or not, or whether they might have needed um, anything extra in addition to the model to deal with um, their specific situation. Um, you know, it's something that strata lawyers uh, do a lot of, bylaw reviews, drafting of bylaws. Um, some buildings don't want to spend the money on having that process done bespoke for them. So um, just grab the template in this leg- in the legislation and hope for the best. Um, of course, pennywise pound fil- pound foolish. You then end up with the litigation down the track challenging the bylaws, uh, and it can be a situation that could have been avoided if you had some specific advice earlier on. So, if we come back to the the Cooper case, I mean that was a horizon. So, for any listener that doesn't sort of know what that building is, it's sort of somewhat famous because Harry Seidler. Uh, designed it and mm. and some people say that it should never have been approved because it's very very tall mm. um and exceedingly tall compared to the neighboring buildings <laughs> and this is in Darlinghurst and it has you know most of the floors would have incredible views there's some pretty amazing harbor views and I think a temp- penthouse recently sold for 16 million or something mm. um so you know a lot of people in that building probably have um a lot of money behind them, right? So you're in a building that you would like to think has a potential to have a good, healthy capital works fund forecast can afford to run the litigation, mm. um, but that wouldn't always be the case, would it? And and also, you know, I don't know Joe's individual circumstances, but you know, I hope she was bankrolled by a whole bl- hope, you know a bunch of other people that wanted to get their pets approved too. She didn't have to really pay for it all herself, but. Mm. You know, litigation is expensive, right? So if you've got some some budget bylaws that are that open up the buildings um, or give opportunity, I guess, to be challenged. Yeah. Um, or if you're in a building, you live in a building where you've got a lot of very, you know, you probably a lot of judges and lawyers and all the rest of living in Horizons too, for that matter. Yeah. Um, you know, are you a bit unmatched because of that? Yeah, it's a complaint that I hear a lot from owners who might want to challenge the position of their building, whether that's in relation to pets or maybe a renovation that they want to do that hasn't been approved. There's always avenues for challenging decisions that our buildings may or may not make 
uh, about what particular owners want to do. Um, but owners will say to me, Amanda, I can come to you and you can tell me I, I can trot off to the tribunal and challenge the validity of the bylaw or say that the decision to reject my renovation was unreasonable and seek an order, but that's going to cost me upwards of about 20 grand to run that case from start to finish with a specialist strata lawyer. Um, that is a significant expense for me, a single owner. And the owner's corporation, the building, is going to engage their own lawyer um, if they are defending my proceedings, they may even be covered by insurance because buildings have legal defense insurance policies. So the insurer might even pay their lawyer for defending the application. And if they're paying it themselves, well, you know, that's their costs are spread across 20 plus 50, maybe owners. And it's just a few dollars out of everybody else's pocket uh, a month. It's, it's nothing to them and they will keep going. And, uh, I will be the one who's forced to settle or to withdraw so you know what? It's not even worth it. I'm not even going to go there. So yeah, I definitely hear that about that mismatch of financial situations and a, and a perceived mismatch of, of power for sure. Which is something that when I started this conversation, I hadn't really thought of, but yeah. <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> um, as often happens when we're having chats for the elephant in the room, we uncover bigger elephants. But also on the renovation side of things, let's have a quick talk about because it's on topic. I mean, you have to get bylaw registered um, whenever, or a special bylaw, right? Um, whenever you want to get renovations approved on your lot. Yes, depends on the extent of your renovation work, but major renovations affecting waterproofing, structural alterations, or affecting the external appearance of the property will need a bylaw. Yeah. Um, and some I've read, you know, obviously they're going to change floor coverings. You mentioned that before. Mm. I mean, a lot of buildings will actually say no timber floor coverings, mm. um, even if they are battened. Um, you know, so you've got to look to noise transference. And, and I think too, we've got to be considerate when we live in strata anyway, regardless. Mm. Yep. Um, so what does somebody do if they're bought in a property thinking, well, you know, it's run down, these are new kitchen and bathroom for argument's sake, and maybe I can knock that wall out and open it up. And these are all the things that I get clients and buyers saying to me all the time, oh, you could do this, you could move the bathroom there, you could do this, you could do that. And I think to myself, oh, well, it's not that easy in a strata building. You've got yeah. plumbing stacks, you've got, you've got, you know, services that you've got to consider and you've got all, there's a lot more to, to uh, take into account. What, have you heard any situations or what are the, I guess, pitfalls and things to be aware of mm. um, for somebody who is buying thinking they're going to just get a renovation approved? Yeah, I think definitely if you haven't bought yet and you're looking for that property that you can um, do up once you're in there, I would be looking at properties where renovations have been done before in the same building and you can pinpoint an apartment or two in the building where they've done exactly what you want to do. So if you want to... Um, Con combine the laundry in the main bathroom to make a, a large bathroom or change the laundry into an ensuite, for example, that kind of thing that's not just um, fixtures and fittings and brightening up the kitchen or the bathroom, then if somebody else in the building has done it, then that's a very good reason for the owner's corporation not to unreasonably um, refuse consent to your own renovation. So in New South Wales, that's the, that's the test. Um, is the owner's corporation unreasonably refusing to approve your renovation? If they are, then the tribunal can order that your renovation goes ahead. And the interesting thing to note about that is, you know, we've, we started the conversation talking about pets and bylaws and 
not being harsh, unconscionable or oppressive. And I've said that's a much higher threshold than this concept of unreasonableness. So Mm. I actually think it's much easier to get a renovation approved because all you have to do is say that the owner's corporation is being unreasonable. That's much easier than getting uh, a pet ban or or was until this case, a pet ban or another uh, bylaw that you might say is harsh, getting that overturned. That's a harder job. Um, but definitely buying into a building where you can see the work has already been done is a, is a really good idea. That's what I would be looking for. Thinking about the impacts that you're going to have, what other people in the building have done and been allowed to do, and what protections you're giving the owner's corporation. So are you giving them a complete indemnity should anything untoward arise out of your renovation? That's why we have the bylaw and we have um, clauses in there that give the owner's corporation all the protections they could possibly want Um because they're doing us a favor, giving us permission. So we're going to make sure that we look after them too. It's a myriad. You know, the idea of, of people buying into strata and just assuming that they can do things that they subsequently find out they can't or not without actually signing over a lot of rights or maybe not a lot of rights, but certainly um, committing to a lot of responsibility if it doesn't isn't mm. done well mm. is something that a lot of people don't understand which sort of leads us well into the idea or our um, Dumbo of the week. So do you have a Dumbo example for us? Oh, gosh. I have a couple. I'm do- I've been debating in my mind which to bring to you this week. Um, why don't I bring you both? Um, yes. And what, because Please. one arises from um, a meeting that I had earlier in the week, and I think it's, um, it's an important one to talk about. Uh, but first of all, from the pet perspective, I think at the moment – uh, the Dumbo of the week has to be the building that is saying we have a, plank- a blanket pet ban, but we're still going to enforce it because we don't <laughs> care. We're a no pets building. We've always been a no pets building. That's what our owners want. Court of Appeal can say what they like, but we're going to enforce it and let the owner who wants a dog take us to the tribunal. Um, that, that's a dumb thing to do because what's going to happen when you get before the tribunal, as I said earlier, the tribunal is going to say, we have a court of appeal decision here. I'm bound uh, by precedent to follow that decision. And this blanket ban is going to be overruled. And you may have to pay the owner's legal costs of bringing a case that they never should have had to bring. Before you get onto the second Dumbo, that, that is interesting because the, the thing is that there's until there's a higher court ruling right, there's discretion. Is that fair? The or interpretation? In, the bylaw is there. The bylaw is in place. Uh, the bylaw doesn't have to be enforced. So if you say from, from the discretion um, angle, I would be saying there is no there is no law that requires a building to enforce its bylaws and the committee should, being aware of this case, use its discretion and not enforce the bylaw against an owner who may bring a dog onto the common property or or onto their lot, Um, what the committee should do is get together and start talking about how they're going to amend their bylaw to reflect um, what the Court of Appeal has said. Uh, You're right that until we have legislative change, uh, our legislation doesn't say that you can't have blanket bans, but our legislation says you can't have harsh, unconscionable or oppressive bylaws and the court says that blanket bans on pets are harsh, unconscionable or oppressive. So there's a a few steps to think through there, but you end up in the same place, which is you'll eventually have the tribunal or court saying your bylaws invalid. So if you've got a lawyer telling you that, then there's no point um, 
going through the process. (laughs) It just makes me not laugh, but makes me wonder, um, what's the purpose in a way of lower courts if you just keep taking it right up to the top and, and until you get the answer that oh, either A, you want, or B, there's no other, you know, courses for um, appeal. Yeah. Well, we, ha- we have a hierarchy, of course, to try and keep business um, streamlined and not overwhelm. I would love to. I love that idea. I would love to go straight to the three three judges on the Court of Appeal, as smartest people in the country in the legal system, um, to make a decision about my renovation or about my um, whatever my strata dispute is. That would be wonderful. Um, but unfortunately, that's not how it works. Uh, the system is such that the the evidence is put before a lower court that has um, uh, theoretically the facilities and the time to hear from witnesses, to look at what the facts are, to decide what the facts are, to read everything, to talk to witnesses, ask them questions. Um, That's what our tribunal is set up for and it's supposed to be more consumer friendly to allow that process to happen without lawyers if that's what um, the parties want. And then the higher levels of the court are more focused on the legal questions. So when we do appeal a decision, usually you can only appeal on a a question of law. So you can only appeal because you're saying the tribunal member who decided this case got the law wrong. It wasn't that they misunderstood part of the facts or that they didn't like a particular witness. They actually got the law wrong. And then our higher levels, um, our higher level courts decide what they say the law means, what they think it's supposed to mean, and make a decision about the law, not necessarily about the facts. (laughs) It's a minefield. (laughs) Now, what's your second Dumbo? Oh, my second Dumbo is quite separate from uh, animals and bylaws, but we did touch on it a little bit earlier, strata records inspections. I attended the office of a strata manager just last week, and I was doing a records inspection for a client. And uh, I always send a letter setting out that I'm coming, what I'd like to inspect, who I'm acting for, and a long list of things that should be produced for me to inspect. And this is drawn from the legislation in New South Wales, what it is that should be made available on a records inspection. And I get there nine times out of 10, um, what I've asked for is not there or only part (laughs) is there. And in this particular circumstance, um, the strata manager came over, sat with me. Hi, Amanda, how are you going? Good. Can I help you with anything, anything missing? I said, oh, yes, I don't have the emails. There are no emails here. And I'm here to inspect the records. Emails form part of the books and records. They should be here on the computer screen I was sat in front of for me to look at. And the strata manager said, oh, they're in my inbox. I said, oh, that's good. Well, I'm here to inspect the records. I'd like to see them. Oh, but there's thousands of them. I said, yeah, well, you've been managing the building for a few years. Yeah, I imagine there would be thousands. Oh, well, I can't provide all of them to you. I said, oh, why not? And the strata manager said, because some of them are marked confidential. I said, oh, why would they be marked confidential? Because the strata committee doesn't want me to put those emails on the record because it's got things about other owners and, you know, they don't want those things disclosed. Uh, And I had to explain to the strata manager that there is no such thing as privacy in owners corporation records there's no such thing as confidential communications there is such a thing as legal professional privilege so if you're communicating with a a lawyer that correspondence may be privileged but otherwise the communications between owners committee members with the strata manager unless it's a committee member saying mate would you like to come to my barbecue on a saturday afternoon if it's about the building it's a record of the owners corporation 
and any owner or their authorised representative is entitled to inspect it. So nothing should be withheld. Uh, And my client was specifically looking for communications between the committee and the strata manager, uh, communicating about things that they had withheld that weren't put to meetings. Um, And it's very frustrating that that, that they have to engage a lawyer, pay legal fees to send me off to go and have a debate with a strata manager who, frankly, should know better. What a classic. (laughs) It's just mortifying, isn't it? But it does, it reveals so many things. It reveals a level of entitlement, arrogance, incompetence, um, you know, God, it's just woeful. And that whole, you know, you and I have had conversations before about some buildings that are run like cartels, Mm -hmm. you know, that the owners call or the strata committee, um, just seem to think it's their show just yes. quite phenomenal but um oh god look i've read some strata reports recently and and I've, there was actually one that was two done for the same building within a month and i read both of them oh and you would think they were of two different buildings wow and the claim was that um the initial company had sold their business so sold their 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 role mm-hmm. I think, is yep. that what you call it yep to another strata management company and this and the buyer was really had absolutely no idea about records keeping or anything but I would think to myself given the way the first one was put together it looked like I was pretty impressed Mm. with the strata managers in the way that that first report was put together within the space of a couple of weeks Mm. it's all over the shop and I wonder if is it really the manager or is it the actual person doing the report Mm. So sometimes it's hard, it's hard to tell. Yeah, we see that a lot when buildings transition from one manager to the next that we get told, oh, well, the old manager didn't deliver up all the files. I don't have everything. Oh, I've been asking for that report and it hasn't been forthcoming. Um, there is a real problem with record keeping um, when it comes to uh, strata management offices. You wouldn't think that there, there should be because there's some great electronic systems, you know, software companies mm. out there doing really well providing solutions. It should be easy enough to put everything in the cloud or on a USB or however you want to do it and get it across to another agent. But that really does seem to be where um, a lot of buildings have trouble keeping their records and making sure that they're accurate when they've had a change of manager. And on that and on a final note regarding uh, bylaws, that uh, you can't always find a complete set of bylaws in the strata report. No. But you should be able to find it in the contract of sale. Is that correct? Definitely, yes. So the uh, conveyancer or the lawyer who's putting together the contract for sale has legislation, different to the strata legislation, that they must comply with and must include particular instruments in the contract for sale and that includes all of the instruments that are registered on the common property title and the beauty of bylaws is that they are registered on the common property title. So should always be attached to a contract and can always be accessed. Um, As an owner, you can always access them by going to um, land registry services and paying. You do have to pay $20 or so for a copy of of the registered bylaws and um, you can get them in one bundle if the building has complied with their legal obligation to consolidate and lodge, but otherwise they will all be there registered in one form or or another. Um, They could all be in separate instruments on the title. You'll get them all there. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you have to tra- trace them all down. That's it. Amanda, thank you so much for your time. I think this is really good um, to understand what uh, this legislation or what this law um, 
well, this court case, I probably should say, has said clearly, and there's not immediate uh, claim on anybody who wants to own a pet in Australia just to immediately assume that they can have one, Mm. but um, also to have that broader conversation around bylaws and around the ability of a strata committee uh, and the owners' corporation to be able to control what goes on in that building. So uh, love your insights, love your time that you've spent with us. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Veronica. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today?